welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Dietrich Trent. Welcome to Solutions from the Yard. Today's episode, we'll be talking about the re-entry process. I have in attendance Brother Charles Hawkins and Brother Michael Dickinson Neal. Today, and our brother Donnell is in absence, but we'll hold it down for him. How you brothers feeling? I'm feeling great, bro. Mm, peaceful, brother. Yes. So, you know, we've been talking about how I would like to say the reentry pimps, right? You know, because we're gonna keep it clean. We 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 keep it 100 on here, and I want to talk about. We, we talked about the reentry pimps of how they take advantage of the system and the reentry process in the whole. But I want to talk about switch it up and and talk about how because there is always two sides. It's one you know we could talk about the bad, but it's always the good as well. But I want to talk about the good the good part of the reentry that we know that's true fabric that really works for us brothers and sisters when we do come, return back from these penitentiaries and these prisons. I want for you, Brother Charles, can you tell me how did the reentry process work for you and your family on your returning back from prison? I thank you for that. Um and for me, the reentry process was kind of uh, bumpy at first. And the reason why I say that is, prior to getting out, I had my sister go to the mayor's office on returning citizen and get the packet of information. So, and they had already told her that once I get out, all I got to do is come down there and register. So upon getting out, I didn't have no identification. So I spent an ordinary amount of time trying to get identification. When I went down there, I didn't. They didn't give me no mechanism whereupon I could get identification. They didn't give me the information that I needed to like how to get a social security card, or how to get a birth certificate, or how to get a real ID. So that was my primary concern. My sister rolled me around until I was able to get those things. But what I did get from that institution was a referral for mental health. And I took and I followed up on that, but overall I didn't, I wasn't able to get no employment. I wasn't able to get uh, nothing in terms of to sustain me as far as I wasn't given no information on how to get housing. I wasn't given no information on how to get my SSI. I wasn't given no I wasn't given no information to give me uh, substantial information that would allow me to have a viable resource. So with that institution. It wasn't. I wasn't successful, but what led me to be able to find my footing was returning citizens, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And so when I came in contact with people that had been out, there wasn't a CEO or wasn't a director of a program, but was just a person that had did a bit and had networked, had resources and contacts. That's how I was able to get plugged into the reentry network. And the reentry network for me is returning citizens much like ourselves. So I was able from that to be able to find 
uh, Voice for a Second Chance. From from that, I was able to get plugged into my SSI because when I came to Voice for a Second Chance, the case manager named Brian, he was the one that told me I could get SSI because of the, my relationship with the reentry network. When I became homeless, I was able to find housing because somebody told me about somebody and told that person about me and connected me with the Nehemiah Project. So in terms of the reentry network and the reentry process, I think that a lot of it, the success of for me was me doing the work, but more importantly, the people I had access to, and that was people that was not CEOs, not directors of programs, but was like just returning citizens that, that was concerned. And when you said something to them, they networked you out. Yeah, so... I like what you, so it's basically the brothers and sisters that 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 went through the same situations that we went through, mm-hmm. that's returning citizens, was the credible messages for some of these organizations and for us. See, we wasn't, we not going to listen, we not going to look at a pamphlet or, to, or listen to a social worker tell us something. We need to hear from one of our brothers and sisters as a credible messenger, hey, mm-hmm. these people are good because we have a trust factor for one of the things coming home from prison. So if we don't see too many of our brothers and sisters that we know walking in them doors, we're not going in them doors. So that's one of the things I think that's really missing is that because we have a lot of money being thrown towards the reentry, and we have a lot of money being thrown towards the reentry. And there's not enough credible messages. Mm-hmm. And when I mean by credible messages, I mean reliable people. Mm-hmm. And that's coming around in these communities and coming around to where the brothers and sisters at and letting them know that this do work. And, right. we, and we, and you know, we, we, they, 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 I just don't think, I think that's very, I think we need to be in more, of a more of a control in a lot of more of these seats, so we could be more credible messages for the reentry process. Mm, I agree. Yes. So, brother uh, Dickinson Neal, uh, I want to know how 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 did the reentry process work for you to be where you're at and to now today when you was released when you and your family experienced when you're first coming home from. Uh, prison. I just doing incarceration for so many years. What was the process like, and the the good, the all the good that did that you trusted, and you went around and trusted the uh, um your the journey of the reentry wheel. Talk um, about that. Uh, well, my journey. I would want. I want to say. Um, what was very helpful to me was I took advantage of it. Yes. That's number one. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of brothers and sisters come home from prison, they don't take advantage of it. You know, they come home and think the government owed them something, That's so right. they always got their hand out, and they not really receiving the true benefits that they can get, uh, you know, because they think just because you get your food stamps, your, you know, uh, your insurance and stuff like that. But if you're not taking the other qualities that reentry has to offer, you know, you be missing out on the big picture. And and when I, I say that, I say all that to say is that when I came home, I didn't have a, a plan. 
I didn't have, uh, you know, no degrees from in prison, no certifications. I just had the will to succeed and not to fail. That's right. And when I was introduced to Voices for a Second Chance, it was through uh, another agency. And one of my my homie actually worked for another agency. So yeah, another my homie introduced me to his agency. Then his agency introduced me to Voices for a Second Chance to get a birth certificate. When I came to get my birth certificate, um, that's when I got introduced to the staff here, Miss Margot, Miss Paula, and you know, one of them. One time when I came in to get after I put in for the birth certificate, then when I came to come pick it up, they offered me to um, come on, stand on track. Mm-hmm. And once they offered for me to come on, stand on track, which is a, a it's a it's a Zoom class that's every other Saturday of, of the month, and. You know, it's for guys that have been incarcerated for 20 years or more. And it's just basically a support group where we get on, we have certain guests that come on, um, you know, we do certain things on there as far as that's um, applicable to brothers and sisters that's coming home, you know, for reentry. And, you know, I got on there and I wind up getting on there. And that was my first really introduction into using laptops, um, you know, That's using right. computers and stuff like that because I didn't know nothing about that. I was locked up for 24 years. So that's what I say when when I say, you know, it's other things that you could take advantage of. It's just something that the government can give you. I, I took advantage of everything that I can get. And I was one of the things I learned how to do was just use a laptop. You learn how to use Zoom. Mm-hmm. And once I started learning how to do those type things, I started to articulate myself and be able to put my voice out there and see that was one of the main things that got me working for voices for a second chance the things that i was saying on the zooms Mm -hmm. it opened up another door for me and it opened up the door to me being on this podcast it opened up the door for me being on training our voices Mm -hmm. it opened up the door for me being re-entry peer support navigator for voices for Mm -hmm. a second chance Mm -hmm. and now it gave me a platform. And see, that's what a lot of brothers and sisters got to understand. Using these re-entry programs for a platform. Mm. Stop using them just, I mean, I'm not going to say stop, but just don't use them for to get your vital documentation and stuff like that. Get them to use it for for your platform. Whatever platform that you want to stand on, a lot of these re-entry groups can point you in the right way. If you want to be a public speaker, mm-hmm. you know, you could be a public speaker. If you want to get into some type of programs where though you helping out the youth or, you know, helping out the homeless or other brothers and sisters that's coming home, you can easily get into these things, mm-hmm. you know, and be a champion for your people. So, therefore, that's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I got out of taking advantage of all the things that a person not really looking at and those the things that got me to the success that I have now those the things that um you know put me in the position where we are right now trying to help other brothers and sisters and inform them of certain information that they they not aware of Uh so that was one of the main advantages that I got from you know re-entry yes I I, I like what you said Good good point One of the main things is DC, when it comes to reentry, they're not under resource. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just that we don't take advantage of the resources. Mm. Right? 
we think it stopped once we get released and not applying yourself and going around and knowing, hey, this such and such organization, man, you you apply for this, you get this. Right. You know, you got it don't stop, man. You got to get everything because it going to take a lot for you to be successful coming back out here from doing a long period of time in prison. That's right. Right? You're going to need help. I don't, I'm not, I ain't advocating for nothing, but I'm just saying you're going to need some type of help coming back here. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about that brother Mike Dickinson there was just speaking on that, that I heard something and he was speaking about the the peer group and that's big in the Mm re-entry. You know, you got to, you know, we got to be, we got to start establishing more of a peer group amongst each other because we are our safety net. Right. We don't want to see each other go back. That's right. Man, because we know, I know how much time my brother did. I know how much time my Michael Dickinson did. I don't want to see him go back. That's right. So I'm going to be his safety net, help with the brother to go forward, even in his professional career or even in personal. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are the things. And I want to talk about that because both of y'all been part of peer groups and other groups how important it is for you to be connected to these peer groups, Brother Dickinson there? Um, that's the importance of it is, um, you know, it was a saying like in prison, you know, the saying was like, man, I, I only hang with other brothers with like minds. Yes. Mm-hmm. You right. see what I'm saying? And, and, you know, that that shouldn't never change. When you're in prison, I'm not going to be around a bunch of crash dummies breaking in people's mm-hmm. lockers and or other brothers that's in any other abomination type of mm. things. I'm going to hang around brothers, you know, if I'm in the Sunni community, I'm going to be around my Sunni brothers. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm in, the, you know, the more science to mm-hmm. America, I'm going to be around my more brothers. Or, you know, if you're a Christian, right. you're going to be around your Christian brothers. Hang around people with like minds. And that's got the same common goal that you have. And see, that's the thing about when you get into these peer groups Make sure you surround yourself with brothers and sisters that's on the same path that you on. You know, if you you might just start talking about one of your goals or what you're trying to do, and then you I might be like, oh well, you know, I'm man, I hear about I, this trucking thing, man. I want to give me a box truck, and then brother Charles might say, oh, well, my cousin into that. You know what I'm saying? Hey, let me let me uh mm-hmm. hook you up with him because he can give you all the ins and outs. Of you know how to start your own little business through getting a box truck. They real cheap, man. You can get them anywhere from five thousand to seventeen thousand, uh, seventeen thousand dollars. And you know, just the information being being around at the right time at the right place to get certain information. And that's one of the things about what staying on track is about. It's about putting out information that's applicable to you. Mm. You know, it might not be applicable to every man and woman that's on the Zoom, but it might be applicable to you. It's up to you to get on every other week to see if something catch you. Mm. So, therefore, you know, it's good to be in that type of atmosphere. And, and also, you know, even sometimes we are grown men, sometimes we still suffer from peer pressure because we come home from doing over two decades in prison. And turn around a lot of your peers, some of them in the gutters, and some of them doing good. Some of them might be still in the streets doing good. And you you need to be around people that's doing the same thing you trying to do and coming from the same, torn from the same cloth you torn from and is trying to make it. 
and that, that gives you inspiration and then that that can also um supply you with a, a new set of friends because mm-hmm. a lot of us our friends either dead incarcerated or you know they still in the streets so mm-hmm. when you when you meet brothers and sisters that's on stand on track or any other these little support groups that other organizations have you can connect with a guy that's on the same page you in put him on your contact list and you you know you just stick with him you know y'all might team up and you know do a double date or something like that mm-hmm. but stay around people with the same like mind you got doing the same thing that you trying to do and succeed in a positive way mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying and that's the importance to me of, of being around people in those in those peer groups yes and one of the things that I heard you saying far as you got to go out and seek the information because mm-hmm. the information is not going to come to you can't and that's real mm-hmm. when it comes to so brother Charles I want you to talk about how these peer groups mold help mold you and when and, 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 and kept you on track and just the, the brotherhood and the camaraderie of being in these things and opening your mind up to accepting society and there's other brothers and sisters that's going through things just like me Mm-hmm. How did these peer groups, you know, and how did you feel about these peer groups and the the, uh, the um, importance of these peer groups? And I like to resonate with Mike said, uh, see, staying on track from its inception. When I got out, they had started staying on track. And when I was on there, when I came in, we, we had it right down here in this room where we're at right now. We had a, a group before this was uh, before COVID. And I was in the group, and I'm going through some things. I'm 48 years. I've only been out, like, maybe four months, if that. So I'm really going through. I'm going through some things about the dinners. You know, I'm, I've still got a prison mentality about society, you know. I don't have a mentality that, like, I'm paying for a service, so therefore I'm entitled to this. I'm looking at it from, like, the perspective that I'm going to have flack everywhere I go because I've got the prison mentality that, I'm meet resistance. So I'm just staying on track and I'm going through a situation and and I'm talking about it. And everybody in the room was like, they had been out for a significant amount of time. Oh man, that ain't nothing, man. Everybody go through that. But when they said it, it really resonated with me because it made me realize that I'm looking at a man that been out three years, and he's saying that three years ago I was going through what you're going through now. But look at me three years later, because I stayed on track. So the value of the peer group, when you're dealing with us and you spoke on it, people are genuine. You know, when I've seen you on when we was on Zoom, I seen you on Zoom and I said, yeah, okay. And you was talking about dealing with the juveniles and and the work that you was doing in that space. So it let me know, say, okay, this is a like-minded person, as Mike said. And then when I and then when I came in contact when we did uh, training our voices, I seen Mike. And I'm I'm listening to the conversation. I said, okay, this is like-minded. We got we all want the same thing. We all want not to go back to prison. And we all want to be successful in life. And we all want to have some type of normalcy in our life. So the, the value of the peer groups, and this can't be overstated, the value of peer groups for like us coming out and networking with each other, you know my pain. Mm. So when I say something to you, when I'm telling you, I'm saying like, look, man, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to hang it up, Jay. I'm, I'm going to get the joint. I'm going to give me some bread because I ain't, you know, I ain't feeling this. 
you know my pain. So you know what to say to me to say, nah, don't do that. Instead of go get the joint, won't you come on, hang out with me, and, and I'm going to try to see if I can get you some help. You know, or I'm going to send you somewhere, and, when, and because I trust you, when you send me somewhere, I trust that the, when I get there, I'm going to get what I want. And I'm going to end on this point. And that's what happened with my housing. A friend of mine, I'm networking, and he, and he called Nehemiah Project, and the director of it said, uh, I want to see you down here. Told me to come down to one of the houses. When I got down there, on the word of the person that sent me, he said, I'm going to do something for you. And I wound up getting house. I wound up getting a shelter. And ultimately, I wound up getting my own place because I was positioned because of the peer. The person that sent me, I trusted him. And the person that, I re- that received me, I trusted him. And now, because of that, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm networking with this. I'm net- when I'm calling around, like when I tell you somebody come and see me about something, I call the right person and say, look, here goes somewhere you can go. So, yeah, that's the value of the peer. Value of the peer group. It's, it's, it can't be understated, Deidre. You know, and you know that for yourself. Yes, yes, I, 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 I truly know the value of having like-minded people around you, and because it's hard, you know what I'm saying. We see a lot of our brothers and sisters fall victim to the fray of of going back to prison. You know what I'm saying. Whatever their circumstances is, mm-hmm. we don't know. We ain't speaking mm-hmm. on nobody or speaking ill of that. We just saying. That you know, recidivism is real. That's right. Right, and it's so many resources, but I just think that we it, it's just that the trust factor coming from prison because we are so distanced from DC. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't know nobody. We don't know no agencies. We don't know no uh, coordinators or no outreach workers at none of these organizations. Before we come home. So we don't know you, man. I don't, I don't trust you. I don't want to come and sit in your office. I'd rather go sit around my way. Mm-hmm. Or listen, you know, th- these are the, the, some of the mentalities of the things that, oh, I'd rather not to deal with none of that stuff. Try my own path. And it, and it might be successful. But I just know that we need to continue having these type of peer groups on, when it comes to reentry because we all need therapy, mm. right? And you know what I'm saying? Whatever kind of form of therapy that we may be, therapy we just might be just sitting here having a conversation with a brother that been knowing he been, we've been through the same situation. Mm-hmm. And, or just being back around brothers like that and brothers and sisters, sometimes put brothers at ease. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I just, I, I, I truly am a big fan of all re-entry peer groups. And be, you know, and I just wish brothers and sisters uh, continue on and start to really listen to a lot of these uh, these messages, these brothers and sisters that's telling you to trust some of these organizations when it comes to the reentry process. Uh, Brother Dixon, do you have anything? Any last words before we, we close out? Uh, well, my last words uh, will be um, just um. Like you always say, man, have faith in the process. And, and also um, always keep striving to do the right thing and, and keeping your mind clear from any negative influences. 
because that's one of the you know one of the number one things to have a lot of brothers and sisters returning back to prison is you know they just give up on themselves. Mm. You know, you got to stop giving up on yourself, man, and just, just, like I say, have faith in that process. Take the baby steps and don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compete with other people in the process. Mm. Don't worry about what another person is doing in the process. Just focus on what you are doing in the process. Because like I always tell people all the time, I don't compete against nobody else. Only thing I compete against is failure. Mm. Greatly said. Mm-hmm. Greatly said. He said that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Brother Charles. Uh, I'm uh, end on this note. You know, uh, remember this here. Just put one foot in front of the other one. When you get up, just put one foot in front of the other. One. The direction that you mapped out while you was in prison, like Mike said, he didn't get no degree on how not to come back to prison. He ain't get no degree on how to stay out of prison. He just knew this here. I don't, I'm not coming back. I want to stay out. So, and that right there became his focal point. And if that become your focal point, then you're going to find somebody and trust the process. You know, trust your brothers and sisters that's in this space. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, solutions from the yard, we just want you to give yourself a chance and trust the process of the reentry networking. Thank you. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma informed, gender specific, and peer based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.